0: Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today we are talking Persecution Press, because I realized I have not done an episode of Persecution Press for a while. So, we're gonna do that. And, um, I have the new voice, The Martyrs Magazine. If you have not, subscribed to it. It's free. All you gotta do is go to vom.net? Let me see. Org, VOM.org, And subscribe to your free uh, Persecutor magazine. It tells you all the persecution news that you need to know. And uh, so yes. Let's um, give a warm welcome to Kuwait and uh, Argentina who are listening. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you. We embrace you. We love you here at Rogue Radio. And um... Welcome to the Renegade Family. We're very happy to have you. We're very happy to have you listening. It is a blessing. It's a true blessing. So, let's uh jump in the trenches, shall we? I haven't <laughs> I haven't used that tagline in a very long time. Let's just let's just go. Let's just get into this. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns. As always, links will be down in the description on how to reach me. Email, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram. (laughs) All of that lovely stuff. Um, And don't, don't be shy. Drop me a message. Tell me how you're doing. Okay, first story comes from India. So, let us look at the right website, give me a second. Leaders in India hold anti-Christian meeting rally. So, this was updated today, but it, on August 27th, 2021, the uh, VHP gathered together in Kaliyanpura village uh, Jibbua in the central Indian state of Madhya Pradesh. The primary goal of their meeting was this. Make Jibua a conversion-free district. According to media reports, leaders of the meeting accused Christian missionaries of converting Advisi tribal people to the Christian faith uh, in order to destroy Advasi culture and tradition. Uh, Christians did this, they um, alleged, by luring the poor and innocent Advasi people um, and forcing them to convert. Leaders of the two groups gave an ultimatum to the district administrator uh, investigate area churches and missionary work, or they would take matters into their own hands. The meeting was attended by prominent leaders of the right-wing nationalist organizations including the VHP uh, leader Ajad Prem Prem Singh. Um, A leader from Jabua who requested anonymity told the ICC the aggressive activities of the Hindu hardline groups came to fore with the enactment of the anti-conversion law beginning of this year the their fear among the Christian community he added several house churches are being closed down out of fear and intimidation the police themselves go around and tell pastors not to gather for prayers with the latest rally in the district and the announcement of their intention to close down all the house churches. It is really concerning. Following the meeting, the entire committee partook in a motorbike rally chanting and holding anti Christian um, slogans. Since January 9th, enactment of Madhya Pradesh anti conversion laws, uh, Christians in the state have experienced a sharp ra- rise in anti Christian incidents. In the first six months of the law's enforcement, Christians in Madhya Pradesh uh, endured at least 48 incidents of persecution. All right. Before I start reading this next uh, article, I this article comes from Iran, and I know I've talked about um, some news from Iran before. And whenever it comes to uh, a country that I am li- that I am um, that I know is listening, I want people to know in that country that I hold no prejudice against anybody from a different religion. I know the difference between a terrorist and a Muslim who practices Islam. I understand the difference. I understand that there are peaceful Islamic people, and then there are terrorists who are extreme Muslims, who kind of go to the extreme. But understand that I'm not trying to badmouth anybody who is listening from Iran. Understand that. Um, I extend my hand of love to every country that is listening, including Iran. I just want to keep the people who are listening informed about certain countries. And this one kind of raised my eyebrow. So, I do know that there are good people in Iran and there are bad people in Iran, just as much as any other country is the same thing. So, um, just please understand that I'm not trying to, um, How did you say that? I'm not trying to hurt anybody by talking about a certain country and what they're going through. I'm not trying to offend anybody. So, let's read this. Leaked footage from inside Iran's Evin Prison torture factory. Um, this comes from the 26th of this month. Um from International Christian Concern, rare clips of footage from inside Iran's notorious Evin prison have been leaked over the past few days, depicting instances of beatings, inhumane treatment, and living conditions in international prison standard violations. Uh, A hacker group called um, Ali's Justice began uh, releasing the footage in... On August 22nd, which included a clip from the prison control room from the hacker, or when the hacker group announced their presence to the guards via monitors, the control room screens read, "The Evan Prison is a stain on uh, Rassi's Ressi, black turban and white beard." Um, that was the quote that they said. I guess um, in total, 16 videos have been released to or so far, with majority from 2020 and 2021, though some date back to 2015 and 2016. According to Amnesty International, the or they have identified seven videos showing prison guards beating or otherwise ill-treating prisoners, three showing overcrowded prison rooms, three showing incidents of assault against inmates by other inmates, and showing incidents of self-harm and the depicting of a cell for solitary confinement itself a form of torture. Um, several clips from April 2021 show an elderly emaciated man collapsing outside and being dragged back into the prison. Um, others depict seemingly unprovoked beatings of prisoners which are with other uh, Guards jumping in, kicking, and beating the defense's prisoner. Evan Prison, often used for Christians and political pro, uh, prisoners, is notorious for its horrendous treatment of prisoners and was sanctioned by the United States in 2018. The ICC sought to impose additional global um, magnetisky sanctions. Um, I don't know what that is. Uh, in the prison, Iranian Christian Nassar Navard Tepe Gol uh, was sentenced to 10 years in Evin prison in 2018 and was denied parole in July 2021. Uh, Gol Tepe was also penned several open letters to the regime as an unspoken outspoken prisoner, excuse me, the um he had many other he and many other Christians suffer unjustly for the faith while uh, guards and Iranian intelligence seek to deconvert the many Muslim background believers housed inside the walls of Evan prison The videos released though heart-wrenching as they are only show the tip of the iceberg of Iran's human rights abuses inside I- Evan. Um, Ali's justice claims to have more videos, documents, and information they plan to continue to release, seeking uh, to once and for all refute the regime's claim that no abuses are um, ongoing inside its prison systems. Okay, this one comes from the DR Congo, so let's, um, read that one real quick. Nineteen people burned and hacked to death in DR Congo. International Christian Concern reports 19 people were killed on Friday in an attack in Kasanzi village, DRC's North Kivu, Providence. Uh, reportedly, uh, per- Perpetrated by the Allied Democratic Forces, the ADF terrorist group. Um, the 19 people were killed by the rebels who plague the territory of Beni. Uh, the ADF, said Kakule Kulunga, a local chief, uh, told the a- AFP news agency, adding that the victims were killed by bladed weapons and fire. Um and that houses were also being set ablaze. Earlier this year, the U.S. Department of State designated ADF and the Foreign Terrorist Organization that and categorized them as ISIS-DRC. The group has the primary aim of creating an Islamic uh, caliphate in Central Africa, while the large majority, 85 to 90% of the DRC's population is christian violence rooted in uh islamic extremism continues to worsen uh putting the country at number 40 in the 2021 open doors world watch list for christian persecution Um, these predominantly christian communities are attacked by an islamic extremist group uh, with a clear islamic expansionist agenda Open Doors spokesperson Ilya Dajadi uh, stated in a reference to the rebel group Please continue to pray for the healing of those traumatized by violence and DRC or in the DRC and for the Lord to comfort those who are g- grieving loss of loved ones. Please also pray for the Lord to strengthen uh, their government protection over its people and bring peace to the nation and for the love of Jesus to redeem the souls of those who persecute the church. Alright, this one comes from Afghanistan, and um, I know I've already covered the Afghanistan uh, issue um, before, but There's one thing that I haven't really mentioned, and, um, it's about the Christians that live in Afghanistan right now, uh, with the Taliban taking over, so we're going to, um, read some articles about Afghanistan and, uh, what the Christians, um, who are left, um, are going through right now. So, the Taliban declares victory after... Uh, United States completes withdrawal from Afghanistan. ICC reports, according to the Associated Press, the United States completed its withdrawal from Afghanistan late on Monday night, ending America's longest war. While thousands were able to flee Afghanistan uh, through the Kabul airport, now in the hands of the Taliban, officials admit not all who wanted to leave the country were able. Um, Remember when I told you guys that this was going to happen, that um, we didn't know how many people were going to get out and if all of the people who were supposed to get out were going to get out, we didn't know any of that, so that kind of confirms what I said earlier uh, this last week. So, um, hours after the final United States troops left... The Taliban triumphantly marched into Kabul's airport from the tarmac. Taliban leaders pledged to secure the country, reopen the airport, and grant amnesty to former opponents. Um, Afghanistan is finally free. Hekmatullah Wasik, a top Taliban official, told the Associated Press. The military and civilian side of the airport are with us and in control. Hopefully we will be announcing our cabinet. Uh, Everything is peaceful. Everything is safe. Didn't the Kabul airport blow up, though? That's what I'm kind of confused at. Was this article made before that happened, or what? Since Kabul fell into the Taliban um, on August 15th, The Kabul airport was home to chaotic and deadly scenes as thousands of Afghans and foreigners attempted to flee Afghanistan. Last Thursday, ISIS-K attacked the airport nearby, killing. uh, Hang on. ISIS-K attacked the airport and a nearby hotel, killing 13 United States soldiers and at least 169 Afghans. After 20 years, we have defended the Americans, Mohammed Islam, a Taliban guard at the airport, told the Associated Press, they have left and now our country is free. It is clear what we want. We want Sharia, peace, and stability. With the Taliban's victory now complete, uh, minorities in Afghanistan are bracing for Increased persecution including the country's small and secretive Christian community Afghanistan's diverse ethnic and religious minorities are at risk of violence and repression. Michelle uh, Bachelet uh, The United Nations human rights chief said last week according to the Bachelet the um, Taliban's history and reports of killings in the past few months support this concern. According to Amnesty International, the Taliban has already murdered nine Hazara men and Shia ethnic minority um, after taking control of the Ghazani providence last month. The Secretary General of Amnesty International, Agnes Kalamard, Um, said that the cold-blooded killings are a horrific indicator of what the Taliban rule could bring. With the Taliban now in power, many Christians fear they will also be targeted and severely persecuted. Some known Christians are already receiving threatening phone calls, the Christian leader told the International Christian Concern in the days following Kabul's fall. In these phone calls, unknown people say we are coming for you. The ICC has not confirmed any targeted killings of Christians. Release international spokesperson Andrew Boyd um, claimed that at least the Christian has been killed, or at least one Christian has been killed by the Taliban. The Taliban have been checking phones to check if they are... Um, any Bibles downloaded onto their phones, Boyd told GB News. We have a report that at least um, one hun- oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Hazara has been killed as a result of this. Wow. Um, Afghanistan's Christians uh, communities is almost exclusively comprised of converts from Islam. Some estimate the Christian population to be 8,000 and 12,000, making it one of the country's largest um, religious minority groups. However, due to the extreme persecution, the Christian community regains or remains largely uh, closeted and hidden from the public eye. Their status as converts makes Afghan Christians direct targets for persecution by the extremists, by both extremist groups and society in general. In Afghanistan, leaving Islam, it's uh, considered extremely shameful. I'm sorry. In Afghan, leaving Islam is considered extremely shameful, and converts can face dire consequences if their conversion is discovered. In many cases, uh, known Christians must flee Afghanistan or risk being killed. According to the Taliban's ideology, Afghanistan is a Muslim country and non-Muslims must leave Afghanistan or accept second-class status. For Christians coming from convert backgrounds, Taliban will consider them uh, apostate and subject to Sharia's deadliest uh, consequences. Wow. To all of my Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, I'm praying for you. I love you. Rogue Radio supports you. We're with you. This one comes from Myanmar and it's a little bit of good news because they're reconsecrating their church. So let's, um, read this together. Jean church, uh, leaders gathered to reconsecrate their church after military's occupation. August 28th of this year, church leaders from Falam area in Sheen state, um, gathered and had worship service to reconsecrate their church building in Tall Village. Um, More than 40 church leaders took part in the reconsecration worship service. Since the Burmese army seized power in February, the tension between the, the Burmese army and local militant groups has intensified. Heavy artillery from the Burmese army is getting closer to where the civilians live, forcing all the villagers to run and hide in the nearby forest. Soon, the soldiers from the Burmese army descended on um, the village and chose to camp in the church. Um, in Christian majority, Chin um, State, a church is highly respected by local people and the armed groups. They will not allow any bad thing to happen there and see that it is a safe haven where they are able to rest safely at night. However, the Burmese soldiers um, used the building without any regard and did disgraceful things such as leaving trash and leftover food behind um, in the building, throwing away Bibles and hymn books for using them for different purposes while they were sheltering the building. Um, These soldiers camped twice at this church and given that the church uh, was treated far beyond its dignity and could no longer be used for its purpose, after the Burmese army left, the church decided to rededicate this church. All the congregates and Christians have uh, formed nearby and gathered to clean up the church and conduct a reconsecration ceremony. I'm sorry that I cannot read today. I'm so bad at it. Um, Christians in the area felt that their place of worship was insulted uh, terribly as well as themselves. So not only needed to cleanse So they not only needed to cleanse physically, but spiritually as well. Rev. Dr. Joe Azar Lai said to Zalin local media that this kind of event does not only happen in Tall Village or merely in a Baptist church. All of us got hurt, and that's why many of us uh, from various church denominations gathered here. He said, Falan Ministerial Council and Institute of Qin Affairs um, already released a statement condemning the soldiers' action in a religious building. Well, I'm kind of glad that they're able to reconsecrate their church. I'm very sorry that your building, your uh, place of worship was disrespected. Alright, this one comes from the magazine that I got yesterday and it says, I must continue preaching. How one of the first ethnic Somali Christians in Kenya persevered through decades of persecution to plant 23 churches. Oh my God. Ibrahim uh, wasn't even supposed to be there the day the gospel spark was lit in his heart. He was a proud Somali and a devout Muslim So why would he be interested in hearing uh, a Christian missionary speak? And he wasn't, at least not at first. As a policeman in Mambosa, Kenya, Ibrahim was assigned to observe a large crowd that had gathered for an evangelistic outreach. Um, His commanding officer was concerned that the event would become unruly or even become a target of an attack. And he needed officers there to keep an eye on things and so Ibrahim was there that day uh, in the mid 1960s when the missionary stepped forward uh, took the microphone and opened his Bible to Exodus 14 he can still hear the passion in the missionary's voice uh, more than five decades later uh, but it was the But it was what the missionary read that day that held his attention. The story of the Israelites fleeing from Egypt. Ibrahim mistakenly thought the missionary was reading from the Quran, which includes its own version of the Exodus story, and he couldn't understand why a Christian was reading and preaching out of the Muslim holy book. Um, Is this speaker a Muslim or a Christian, he wondered. Ibrahim, Ibrahim's curiosity about the missionary's sermon um, and its source led him to visit a church not far from the police encampment where he slept each night. Um, and one day, shortly after hearing the missionary speak, he arranged to meet the church's pastor. Why was your missionary speaking out of the Quran? He asked so bluntly. Uh, after some... in Initial confusion. The pastor understood that Ibrahim was referring to the book of Exodus. Uh, they talked for a while longer, and before parting, the pastor gave a curious, the curious Muslim policeman his own copy of the Bible. Thus began Ibrahim's transformation from Muslim um, to a follower, or and, I'm sorry, to to follower of Islam, Messiah. Or, Jesus the Messiah. Okay. Um, and the policeman to pastor. Aww. Even now, he says, I feel the way I felt that day I heard the mission- I heard the missionary, and over time, the spark in Ibrahim's heart became a burning light for Christ among the ethnic Somalis in, uh, two nations his early life. Ibrahim was born in the city of Wajir in Kenya, which at the time was still an East African uh, outpost of the British Empire. Uh, His family were members of an influential and powerful Somali clan called the Ogaden, Uh, forgive me if I mispronounce that, Um, who lived in Somalia, Kenya, and Ethiopia. Uh, Because his father died when he was only four years old, Ibrahim was raised primarily by his mother with help from relatives and members of the Ugadin clan. Um, Like all male members of the clan, he was raised not only to be a good Muslim, but also to be a Muslim leader. And by his mid-teens, he was a devout Muslim who had attended a madrasa is... Islamic religious school and read through the Quran twice. He was also a budding entrepreneur who would soon be able to support himself with a small herd of goats. But conflict arose when some cousins began urging him to move to Ethiopia to live with their members of the clan, with other members of the clan. Um, Ibrahim refused to leave, believing his cousins were trying to get him out of the way to steal his goats, and the disagreement became so intense that his grandfather threatened to kill him if he didn't leave. Um, Finally Ibrahim's mother persuaded him to leave without his um, savings account, while his treasured goats. Um, He walked away from his home with only the clothes on his back and A fierce anger towards his relatives, with no savings and a few prospects. Uh, Ibrahim enrolled in a Quranic school with a goal of becoming um, an imam, but at the end of his two-year training program, he instead chose to become a door-to-door Islamic evangelist aggressively spreading the uh, message of Muhammad. Ibrahim's plans were interrupted, however, when Kenya colony's British rulers drafted him and hundreds of others into the army. Um, The world was mired in the chaos of World War II, and the British needed more fighters. Although the British at at first separated Uh, conscripts uh, by religion uh, over nine months of military training they eventually began to combine the troops Um, for the first time in his life Ibrahim was in close quarters with non-Muslim including Christians over time uh, he came to accept them as friends and brothers in arms even eating from the same place with them, something unthinkable for most about Muslims. It was the first time Ibrahim had accepted the idea that a non-Muslim could be a good person. As Ibrahim's unit prepared to board ships bound to, for combat, reports arrived that the Americans had dropped atomic bombs in Hiroshima. Uh, Hiromsh- I know how to say these. I've learned these, <laughs> these cities, in um in history class. Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Yes, um the war ended before Ibrahim had, or and his Kenyan uh, compatriots could enter the battle. Um, when Ibrahim returned home, the provincial, um. Commissioner selected some soldiers to serve the police force, and Ibrahim was one of the 50 ethnic Somalis um, selected and trained to be policemen, which came first. Uh, after hearing the missionary, hearing the missionary speak at the evangelistic outreach, and learning that the Quran includes stories from uh, the Bible, um, Ibrahim was compelled to dig deeper, which he wondered. Uh, which one came first, which story came first. Um, If a story appears both in the Quran and the Bible, Ibrahim reasoned that the uh, first telling of the story should be more accurate, especially if the second were written hundreds of years later. After further study, he learned that the story of the Exodus in the Bible is the earlier version and is attributed to Moses in eyewitness uh, to the amazing events. Ibrahim... Um, then noticed that although the Koran talks about Jesus, the Bible paints a much fuller picture of the God-man in books written by those who walked and talked with him, witnessing miracles firsthand. Shortly after receiving his first Bible from the pastor, Abraham left the police force and took a bookkeeping job in Nairobi, Kenya's capital. When he made the move, he says he was in between faiths. The crumbling foundation of Islam had become apparent. He no longer recognized the authority of the Quran or the veracity of Muhammad as Allah's prophet. All the Quran is modified from the Bible, Ibrahim says, recalling his, di- this, his discovery. Um, at the time, although he wasn't quite ready to accept that Jesus is the Son of God, He could not yet commit to following Christ or turning his back on the strong religious ties to his family um, And clan and culture He was still seeking and searching one of Ibrahim's co-workers an accountant named uh, Mr.. Karanja was a Christian and an assistant pastor at a local church when he realized Ibrahim was seeking answers um, Mr.. Karanja reached out to him, and began studying the Bible with him each day. Uh, He patiently listened to Ibrahim's many questions and pointed him to answers in the scriptures. Uh, Eventually Ibrahim uh, went to church with uh, Mr. Karanja and they prayed together as Ibrahim placed his faith in Jesus Christ. Although Ibrahim's father had died when he was young, and his early family disowned him and even threatened to kill him, the spiritual rebirth gave him a new father and a new family. When my own family disowned me, I was young, he says. That bitterness grew on me uh, when I came to Christ. I had a father who who knew. He cleansed me. From the bitterness and rejection and I had or that I had because he replaced fatherhood for me. Oh yeah, I love that. I love that he said that he said he replaced fatherhood for me. A man who lost his father at such a young age probably doesn't remember his father at all. His father got replaced by Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. Um, In 1972, Ibrahim was baptized the first time in a church in Wajir where he was born. People in Wajir, located in the northeastern part of Kenya near the Somali border, are primary ethnic Somalis with a strong cultural identity as Muslims. Um, Ibrahim was one of the first ethnic Somalis in Kenya, possibly the very first to profess faith in Christ. That's incredible. The response of Ibrahim's conversion and obedient act of baptism um, was a swift and almost entirely negative. Okay. Um, his wife Habiba cried every time she saw him for a year and Habiba's friends encouraged her to leave her infidel husband. For a time she took their advice and returned to her father's house refusing to live under the same roof with Abraham. Um in additional or in addition uh, leaders of the Ogaden clan voiced loud protest no one in our clan has done this before they reminded Ibrahim uh, four assistant chiefs then met with him trying to persuade him to return to Islam uh, and the clan chief, often offered Ibrahim 400 cows, 200 camels, large amounts of land, and his daughter in marriage, um, if only he would renounce Christ and return to Islam. Ibrahim refused. I have never seen faith that is bought, he told them. Since earthly um, enticements couldn't draw him away from Christ, they moved onto theological arguments and later physical threats. "'If I hear you are still a Christian,' the Ogaden chief told him, "'you'll be like a fly. You'll be swatted.' "'But no matter the pressure, Ibrahim couldn't back down. "Kill me today, then,' he challenged. "'Instead of cowering in fear, he decided to be baptized again. "'He wanted there to be a, no question that he had rejected Islam, and was now fully committed to a, as a follower of Christ. I wanted them to know for sure that I am or that I was a Christian. He says, in order to make it this, his baptism as public as possible, Ibrahim personally invited many. many ne- I cannot talk. I am so sorry. Uh, many <laughs> members of the clan, including twenty Muslim sheiks, to witness the event before the baptism he wrote a letter to the local police asking for their protection and providing information in case he was murdered if anything happens to me my chief and my clan have eliminated me he told them choosing to be rebaptized in a blatantly public way um, was a courageous statement of faith to the community but it wasn't Ibrahim's bold stand uh, in his words or actions uh, for Jesus Christ But Ibrahim also had a backup plan. He went to his second baptism with his old policeman's pistol strapped to his side in case the Sheikhs decided to immediately punish his apostasy. Thankfully, the pistol wasn't needed that day. Faith in Christ didn't mean he was incapable of sin, and Ibrahim admits that at times of his old char- of his old characteristics showed themselves. Uh, when God opened the door for Ibrahim to attend Bible school, he told Habiba to pack up and get ready to move with him, threatening to kill her if she refused. Under the threat, she agreed to go with him. Um, Bible smuggling by camel. I love it when- I love Bible smuggling. I just love it. It's just awesome. I'm sorry. Can I just talk about Bible smuggling for a minute? That is probably- I just love that. I- I'm sorry. It's like... I love the fact. I mean, I... I don't- I don't know how to express this. I just find it so beautiful that people are finding so many different ways to smuggle Bibles into nations that have outlawed the Bible. I just love it. There are so many people in the Philippines that are getting Bibles just handed out door-to-door now. Uh, people are smuggling Bibles through camels, (laughs) by camels. Um, there's so many people in China that have to have their Bibles smuggled, uh, into the nation in order for them to get closer to Christ, and I find that, of course, I I wish it didn't have to happen that way but then again, it is such a beautiful thing when Christians find ways in order to reach other souls for Christ in so many different creative ways and I just, my heart's on fire for that, I love that so much. I do. I love that so much because people in America don't necessarily realize how much Christians go through in different countries. Christians in America? They'll probably get like, intell- intellectually persecuted, which is honestly not that bad um, when it comes to persecution. People are being beaten, killed, and sat on fire, beheaded, and tortured constantly in different countries, all because they've either smuggled the Bible, preached the gospel, or even just converted from Islam to Christianity. And... People don't know this. People don't know this at all. And when I hear that people are starting to, like, smuggle Bibles into certain countries, it just puts a smile on my face because it's like there's no stopping God's plan. There's no stopping the gospel anywhere. And it's amazing to me. It puts a smile on my face. I know it's dangerous. It just, for some reason, that just gives me joy. It gives me joy because... No matter what the cost, people are still preaching the gospel. People are still smuggling Bibles, handing out Bibles, no matter what the cost is to them. And that, I feel, is just... I just i just think it's gorgeous. I think it's beautiful. I, I just don't know why. Maybe I'm a maniac. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm crazy. I just think that... Christians out there that are risking their lives in order to reach other people who don't even know the name of Jesus Christ, don't even know the story of how he died for them. That is beyond amazing to me. That makes me smile. That makes me want to cry with joy. I love that. So I'm sorry. I just wanted to share my joy in that because that's something that you don't hear every day that's not something that you hear on the news at all we don't hear about christian persecution anywhere uh on the news at all i mean the closest thing right now is the afghanistan issue because there are christians in afghanistan that are in danger we've already talked about that earlier in this podcast episode but the thing is is that bible smuggling oh my god i I just i don't know why it puts a smile to my face maybe maybe god just made me that nuts i'm just i'm just saying that that is incredible um there's no stopping the gospel there's no stopping the name of jesus christ there's no stopping the good news they will find ways children of god will find ways in order For people to know God more that's beautiful and I feel like Americans now it they we need to take uh, their advice we need to take a leaf from their book we need to understand that this is the passion that we need to have in churches this is the passion that we need to have when uh, talking to somebody about Christ in such a loving way this is the mentality we need to have Where's the passion that America has for Christ in order to reach people? But anyway, Bible smuggling by camel. Oh my God, this just makes my heart happy. Um, While attending Bible school, Ibrahim got his first taste of ministry and the high cost of sharing the gospel among Muslim Somalis. Um, In his earliest attempts at evangelization, Ibrahim and some classmates drove through neighborhoods um, while he preached through the loudspeakers um, mounted on the roof of the car. (laughs) I love this. I'm sorry, it just makes me happy. Preaching about Jesus in the Somali language as... As an attention-getter with both positive and negative ways, both ethnic Somalis had never heard the gospel in their own language, uh, much less from a fellow Somali. From some, it created curiosity. I thought all Somalis were Muslims. Why is this Somali talking about Jesus in the Bible? But for others, it created outrage. If this man is really a Somali, then he is an apostate and apostates deserve death. Angry Muslims often threw rocks at the car and sometimes even dragged the evangelists out of the car and beat them. Uh, they were targets of gunfire um, on more than one occasion and eventually their vehicle is was completely destroyed by a mob opposed to their ev- evangelical work in the area. You want to talk about somebody who's badass, okay? Ibrahim, I'm sorry for saying, saying such a foul word, but I cannot explain. I cannot find a word that explains his passion more than that word. I just love it. I mean, I love his passion. I don't love that he went through all of that just just understand that but that's that's something that Christians go through that's something that Christians will be persecuted that that's just that just comes with uh, being a Christian you will be persecuted that way um, but despite the opposition, Ibrahim wasn't uh, content to share the gospel only with Somalis in Kenya. he longed to reach across the border and tell even more Somalis about, um, the saving grace of God. Because members of Ibrahim's clan, this is 23 minutes, goodness gracious, okay, hang on. Uh, Because members of Ibrahim's clan lived with, uh, lived on both sides of the border, he was able to cross back and forth easily. Really? Um, he was able to cross back and forth easily, I just read that, okay, he knew the bible and had changed his life so he began to smuggle bibles across the border in hope that it would save uh this have the same effect on many more somalis this just makes me happy i'm sorry it just makes me happy we're gonna go on to part two just because this is a very long article but i'm gonna keep reading it because this is just this is awesome Honestly, let's have a break. (laughs) He carefully packed New Testaments into white milk cans, strapped the cans and other goods onto the back of a camel, and headed out of a seven-day ride one way from his home. Uh, in Kenya across the border to Somalia. He made a trip four times a year, carrying 50 New Testaments in each journey. Um, Because the Bibles were so desperately needed and dangerous, they were disassembled and distributed uh, one page at a time upon arrival uh, in Somalia. Simply being caught with a Bible could result in in a death sentence. Ibrahim um, uh, was attacked by a rock-throwing Muslims on several occasions during his smuggling work and on one occasion he was arrested and detained for four days before being released and sent home. He could see, however, that even suffering persecution served God's purpose. Um, one man who led a stoning attack on Ibrahim eventually came to faith in Christ and later humbly apologized for his actions. Um, the most painful persecution, it, it's the one for the government, or for a government, Or oh, I'm sorry, hang on. It's one thing for a government, your clan, or strangers to oppose you because of your faith in Christ. But it is much more difficult and hurtful when the persecution comes from your own family members. Um, the first painful persecution Ibrahim has faced from uh, those living under his own roof. Uh, the biggest persecution I felt was when they took my wife, he recalls. Aww. Uh The clan members took my wife from me forcefully because I became a Christian. While Ibrahim's wife didn't necessarily want to leave him, she couldn't oppose the relative's desire to punish her infidel husband. Uh, but uh, for about three years, Ibrahim's wife and children lived in Saudi Arabian embassy in Nairobi's, in Nairobi as, in Nairobi as guests of the Saudi ambassador, who saw the spread and protection of Islam as a significant part of his duties. Um, he was more than happy to use the resources of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia to punish an infidel who had turned his back on Islam. Ibrahim was forcefully separated from his wife uh, for a total of 11 years after he came to know Jesus Christ. In fact, his wife was living with relatives when she died. Um, They held a memorial and buried her body before even informing him that his wife was more than 60 years had passed away. During the long years of separation and discouragement, Ibrahim had two sources of comfort, God's word and Christ's body, the church. Uh, When I was in that state, it was so painful, he says, sometimes it becomes unbearable. The church members would come and encourage me, pray with me. Whenever I was in pain, I constantly read the word which Um, reminded me that patience will pay. Yes. Um, One passage Ibrahim returned um, to again and again was Psalm 5, which speaks on God's care for his children, as well as his punishment of those who abuse them. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning, give my attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. Your, uh, You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. And the Lord abhors um, the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Um, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let him ever... Sing for joy and spread your p- protection over them that those who love your name may exalt you or may exalt in you for uh, you bless the righteous, O oh Lord. You cover him with, with favor um, as with a shield. Another favorite passage was the Parable of the talents in Matthew 25 each time he read the story. He was reminded to always remain faithful My faith is that or my faith is what strengthened me. He says if I didn't have a strong faith I would have backslidden Uh, But that's been my encouragement And Ibrahim says he has always drawn encouragement from biblical Uh, heroes of faith, even Paul, they stoned him. Oh my god, yes. He likes that story too, bro, yes. (laughs) They stoned him and he got up and walked away. (laughs) Um, even Paul, they stoned him, he says. Those who believed ahead of me, most of them suffered the same, even worse, persecution. Stefan... Uh, Stephen was killed because of his testimony. I realized I would have to go through the same path, um, they suffered. Even Peter was imprisoned, and the doors of his cell were opened. Oh my god, that's beautiful. Oh my god, I love it. Um, the work of the harvest. Ibrahim's ministry... Uh, Work has never been stopped by pressure or persecution Even in his early days as a follower of Christ from preaching the gospel over loudspeakers during Bible school to smuggling Bibles into Somalia by camel His passion for sharing the gospel especially with ethnic Somalis has never waned today northern Kenya is dotted with living memorials to his work Ibrahim has planted 23 churches over the course of his ministry. Oh my god. I'm so happy. Um, When he speaks to Muslims, Ibrahim uh, begins by laying out his Islamic credentials, just as Paul announced his Hebrew heritage and training to the church of Philippi. Philippians uh, 3, 4 through 6. Once Ibrahim has established his credibility as someone who trained to be an imam and studied the Quran extensively, he turns the conversation towards Jesus Christ. That's incredible. I love that. Um, While most Somalis identify as Muslims, Ibrahim says many have little understanding of even most basic tenets of Islam. After all, the Quran is written in Arabic, a language that many Somalis don't speak or cannot read. The uh, He says he can often tell the listeners are understanding his message and may even open to accepting um, Christ, but are afraid of persecution. Still some do place their faith in Christ and boldly profess their faith. But that boldness comes out. Uh, oh man! That boldness comes at a cost. In 1974, radical Muslims reacted violently to rapid church growth in Wajir, killing 14 new Somali believers in the streets and burning a local church um, building to the ground. All of the missionaries left the area after receiving notes saying they. And their families would be killed if they stayed in the city. And although it was his home, Ibrahim was never again able to live in Wajir full time. Over the years, Ibrahim has been shot, stoned, and arrested twice. He was—he has shared the gospel from the bed of a truck, from the pulpit to numerous churches. (laughs) A large. Uh, outdoor at large outdoor gatherings and one on one conversations. He has watched authorities and extremists cancel or shut down his evangelistic meetings. And the last time he was pelted with stones just five years ago, along with or long after his 80th birthday. Uh, you've, if you volunteer to be a good steward of the Lord of God or of the Word of God, I'm If you volunteer to be a good steward of the word of God, you will go through several problems, challenges, even through fire. He says, matter-of-factly, Abrahams use his suffering not as extraordinary, but merely as the expected consequence of following Christ. Um, When a visitor suggested that Abraham experienced a lot of suffering during his Christian walk, he quickly repra- replied, Not nearly enough compared with Christ's suffering for me. Um, advancing age and health issues have slowed Ibrahim's ministry work in recent years, but he is still committed to sharing the gospel and to inspiring and empowering the next generation of Somali Christians and church leaders. Uh, many pastors view Ibrahim as a hero of the faith and a mentor of, uh, regularly seeking his counsel, and he is sometimes invited to speak. But are at Bible colleges where he spreads several. He spends several days pouring godly wisdom into um, developing leaders of the Kenya Church and evangelists who are who share with who share Christ with Muslims. Ethnic Somalis in Kenya who came to Christ today Still face many difficulties and trials while the Kenyan government promises freedom of religion family members and clan leaders can do Can and do persecute? Uh, who leave Islam and follow Christ because of the long road of suffering Ibrahim has walked? He is well qualified to mentor encourage and prepare new believers, but this is but his ministry work is, at times, painful. One young evangelist Ibrahim mentored and encouraged was an extended family member named, um, Ad- Abdueli, um, also called Abdi, see martyred for reaching his people. That's the next, um, that's the next article, maybe it's sometime in the next episode I might read it. Um, Abdi had a powerful ministry reaching Muslims for Christ until he was gunned down in Garissa, Kenya in 2013. He was my son in the faith, Ibrahim says, proudly holding a picture of the two men together. Uh, Ibrahim's church denomination specifies retirement uh, age of ministers and age he passed long ago. Um, as long as God gives him strength, Ibrahim says he will not quit sharing the gospel. I cannot retire from the work of God, he says. Uh, it has been more than 50 years since the gospel spark uh, was lit in my heart by the work of the Holy Spirit and a missionary whose name he never knew. Um, yet Ibrahim remains as ready to preach to and to share as he has ever been and he is still ready to risk everything for the sake of seeing Somalis receive the salvation gained through faith in Christ alone I'm still carrying my bible he says with a smile I must continue preaching listen Ibrahim <laughs> um, I know you're probably not listening but oh my goodness Rogue Radio's proud of you Oh, we love people like you. We love missionaries like you. Oh my gosh. If I was, if I was, if you were in front of me, I would embrace you. That's how much I, I love your faith and I love your passion. That's, that's just incredible. Um, keep preaching, my brother. I love that. I love that. Before I end the podcast, I'm going to close out in prayer. Father God, I ask you to please help your children find creative ways in order to spread the gospel in more countries than the ones that I have mentioned, even in the ones that I have mentioned, Jesus. I just ask you, God, and I pray for protection over your children that have worked so hard in order to... Uh, just preach the gospel and mention your name to people that don't even know it, Jesus. Whether these missionaries and Christians realize that they are curse breakers, and I ask you, God, to raise them up in their purpose, raise them up in their faith, and raise them up and not to not be afraid. And I pray for those people who are listening right now, uh i ask you god that if they don't know you i pray that they do come to know you i pray that every podcast episode that i have um is a blessing to those who hear it Uh, i thank you for the platform that i have in order to share wonderful stories like ibrahim's jesus i just thank you for giving me a voice in order to um help people understand what's going on in different countries jesus And even in their own homes, even in their own countries. And I thank you, God, for giving me so many nations that are listening that I can support and love uh, unconditionally with everything in me. This podcast is blessed by you. This is your podcast, Jesus. This is your idea you have given me. I am just your voice. And I thank you for that. And um, I just pray that this blesses the people who listen. Amen.